welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 31, and this one's a little bit different. Normally we would be releasing on this off week one of our Evergreen series, but we thought we've got an event coming up this weekend, so let's do something a little bit more timely, a little bit different, and give you a special episode all focused on best of one. So tonight on the line with me, I have just one bean, and that is Cracker. How you going, Cracker? Very well, thank you, mate. How you doing? I'm pretty good. I think I forgot to introduce myself. I got a little bit carried away with my intro. My name is Shorty. You are Shorty, <laughs> in yes. Case, in case you haven't figured that out. <laughs> and you are the host of the Magic Beans podcast. That is that is correct. Yes. Right. We uh, we managed to do a podcast without Chewy and already we've gotten off track. So I mean, if we didn't have a segue in here, some people would be disappointed, I think. So <laughs> yeah. we'll get it over and done with early and we can get right down to it. Yeah, very good. All right. So, yeah, we, uh, we thought we'd have a bit of a chat about best of one. So... We had uh, we spoke about on our last podcast that the Arena Open was announced, which we're going to sort of go into, but we thought before we get into that, we would just touch on, I think it was today, actually, was it announced, Cracker, that next week there's going to be a ban, a ban yep. and restricted update. There was a tweet from Magic Esports or... Ma- there's like six different Magic Twitter accounts, man. Yeah, I, don't I, know. Know. I never I, know which one to follow. I, I follow them all. But yes, there was a tweet that went out saying, Monday, June 1st, there will be an update to the ban and restricted list impacting standard and historic and also something to address the companion mechanic. So immediately, well, I actually like screenshot the Twitter post, put it in our Discord and said, what's everyone's predictions? And everyone had a million different ideas as to what was <laughs> going to happen, which was exactly what I was hoping would happen. So yep. yeah, it's generated a bunch of chat today. It did. It did. So yep. the I don't know. I don't know about these announcements of announcements that Wizards has a habit of doing. Um, I guess now that they don't have a defined BNR cycle, they have to do this kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's interesting because, it, you know, the speculation is that, you know, well, clearly they've addressed that something's going to happen with companions and we're about to have this big multi-day event literally for us onto like the day that the announcement will come out, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and we're expecting that it'll be like companions are banned or like, you know, something just yeah, wild. Some so, sort of change. Yep. So who knows? Yeah, so we we don't have the details yet. We do know that, yeah, like I said, something in standard and historic is going to be updated on the banner restricted list. So that could be bannings, it could be unbannings, we don't know. Uh, And, yeah, they're doing something to address the companion mechanic, which straight away makes you think, okay, they're changing something in the way that it works, which we spoke about on the previous podcast about various things that they could do, um, just sort of working around the the, the actual text that's printed on the card. So... We're not going to go into that too much tonight, and uh, that's not really our focus, but we will definitely touch on that on next week's episode, because by then we will have the actual BNR announcement, rather than the announcement of the announcement. So exactly. And, stay and tuned for next week's episode. Yeah. Facts, not conjecture. Let's go with that. Yes, yes. All right. So our main topic is discussing best of one, because that is what we'll be playing this weekend in the Arena Open. So we, we talked about it on the last episode. There's the Arena Open. It's starting for us here in Australia or, or in Melbourne at least. It, it kicks off at 1 a.m. this Sunday, the 31st of May, and basically runs all day Sunday, finishing up at 9 p.m. on the Sunday. So you, you, you've got all day to play your games. It's 20,000 gold to enter or 4,000 gems, and day one is best of one. And we haven't seen best of one as a 
competitive tournament format since the first Mythic Invitational, I think. Was that the... Yeah, that's, the, that's I think the only time. And when that happened, it was pretty controversial. Like, they... It was a little bit of a funny format. I think they brought two decks and they played in round one or game one, they played one of those decks at random. Then game two, they played the other deck. And then game three, they got to pick whichever one they wanted. So, it was a, it was a bit weird and it was best of one. So, I'm not, and it was, I'm not really sure. And it was sure. a tiny think, field, right? It was like a 24-player field or something like that. Yeah, so, there was all this yeah. weird, like, yep. metagaming stuff. Yeah, it was, it was very th- strange. I think from memory, the reason they did that was that they didn't actually have- best of three matches on arena yet because it was still like it was still in, in beta, in beta. Yeah. yeah i'm pretty so sure that's right that was kind of their workaround for for what they could do so that was the last time we've seen this as a major tournament format and yeah now we have this this massive tournament which as we spoke about last time there's up to two grand in uh us in prizes or you know a thousand bucks if you can get six wins two thousand bucks if you can get seven wins on day two so it's there's going to be a lot of cash floating around so you're playing for a fair bit but yeah they've gone with the best of one for day one their reasons for that is that they want people to be able to play their matches a bit quicker rebuy like when they drop a bunch being being able to rebuy into into the tournament um which has some some ethical (laughs) issues going on there but I kind of get it. Like I know, you know, if you if you pick best of three and you go, all right, I just want to give this thing a crack, and I, you know, I'm willing to put in a bunch of gems and whatever, and you play Jeskai Yorion, and your your matches take fifty minutes every time. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know you're out until the end, like till you've played potentially six matches, and then you finally get your third loss. There's basically your whole day gone that you've committed to to playing games. So. It's not. I don't think that's in what they were hoping to get out of this tournament. I think they just want people playing a lot of matches, and who knows? They may even use the the data from this to uh, to just decide what they announce in their banner restricted announcement. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would not be surprised. Oh man, that's 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 awful. How do you yeah, suggest yeah. that that's exactly what they'll do? Yes, just a, what is it? Cutscene to someone in Wizards going, "Oh no, they're onto us." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think I think they have a lot of data, and I really hope that they don't um, use I would so. a, a random tournament as the deciding factor here. But uh, I agree. I actually quite like it. Like, I tend to play a bit of best of one anyway, just because yeah, of- Yeah, I, I play a lot of best of one. T- time sensitivity. Like, both of Shorty and I have got three kids. So, you know, like, we snatch games when we can. Sitting down to play a Luca Mirror for, you know, like you said, 50 minutes- I mean, fun, sure, but then I get to play one game, right? Yeah. I get one match in as opposed to playing cycling when I get like five in, in the same amount of time and I can play. Yeah. I never feel like I'm that locked in. If my wife asks me to do something, I'll be like, yeah, just yeah, give me just five drop. minutes and it'll be done. Yep. So I think it's clever Yeah. for lots of reasons. And look, we joke cynically about wizards, you know, cleaning out accounts and stuff like that. <laughs> the reality is if they're funding it and there is no- there's no cash limit to this thing. No. So if not. like 10,000 people manage to, you know, go through day two and then, you know, get seven wins, then they're ponying up, you know, oh, $200,000, yeah. right? So it's it's a lot of money. So it's it's interesting. But I like it. I like the fact that they're, they're giving people the option to play best of one because I think they would not, well, they would know the stats. But from, from what I would imagine, more best of one games would get played than best of three. On yeah, they, they have said that previously that 
that uh, the most popular format to be playing is best of one by a long shot, mm-hmm. which is not surprising at all for exactly those reasons that, that you just stated. Like but before or earlier today between having dinner and sort of getting the kids ready for bed, I had a spare 20 minutes and I just quickly got in five or six matches in 20 minutes. And <laughs> any of those exactly. matches, I would have been more than happy, you know, if something come up, if one of the kids cried, cried out or something like that, needed help. I'm more than happy to just go, ah, oh, you just concede whatever. It doesn't, doesn't have as much, but I can just quickly get some games done, whereas that wouldn't have been enough to even play one best of three match. So it's it's super convenient, and a tournament like this suits me really well, whereas the Red Bull event that we, I played in a couple of weeks ago, I was locked in from yeah. 5 p.m. to 4 a.m. I had a few like bits and pieces here and there where my match finished quickly and I could go and do something else, but I was locked into playing at that time. Whereas this structure means I can get up early. You know, I might I might get up at six a.m. on Sunday morning and spend twenty thousand gold, enter in, get my three losses really quickly, go back to bed, <laughs> have some breakfast, <laughs> yeah, have some breakfast, and then maybe a little <laughs> bit later in the morning I'll give it another go. So, yeah, and 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 I can go. All right, I've played three three matches. You know, I'm two and one, and then it's lunchtime. It's like all right, cool. I'll go and have lunch. I'll spend some time with the kids, and then play a little bit more in the afternoon and then play a bit more when they go to bed. And that's and just so much more convenient for people in our position, which I think is probably the vast majority of people who play Magic and, and Magic Arena. It's people that can't commit to playing full days of Magic. So very happy to see them putting something like this together. And yeah, as, as a reminder, day one, best of one, it's either seven wins. Once you get seven wins, you're through to to day two, or three losses, you're you're out of it. And yeah, once you're out, you can jump back in with your your gems or your gold if you want. And yeah, you can play your matches at any time. So it'll just be like if you've if you're you know a little bit apprehensive about getting into this sort of thing, it'll be no different to any of the other events that they run on Arena, where you just click, yep, I want to join this event. You pay your fee. And then you just hit play when you're ready to play your matches. And you can play one game and go, oh, that sucked. I'm just going to go for a walk around the block or something just to clear my head, come back, and then click play again and play another match. So, yeah, very, very convenient. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's yeah. great that we've, again, this is the first time that, like ignoring the, the best of one, best of three thing for a moment, because it's the same structure for day two, right? Except it's best of three. Yeah, so yeah it is day, just- day two is best of three. You just But you can still play the matches when you want. So it's not like a GP where you've got timed rounds- sit there and wait for your pairing to come up it's just i'm ready to play sit down play you know get through your match and then you can go straight to the next one or you can come back in three hours and and play them out so well done wizards for trying this out and it's definitely a trial right and and kind of going from there obviously there's no winner right there is no congratulations you got first there will be a lot of people no top aiding and things like that yeah, which is fine, you know, like for, for what yeah, we're talking doesn't, about. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> no, right? I mean, it's probably no day twoing for me either. So, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I'm gonna at the end of the weekend, I'm gonna have zero gold and probably zero gems, and will not be in day two. So, <laughs> and still going. Why don't I have any real wild cards? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, look, the the reality is of best of one is that it's more of a coin flip format. Yeah. And so there are, you know, there are a lot of people that in the angry Twitter sphere uh, are cross about the fact that they have less agency, but that's what we're here for talking about, right? Is best of one and how you can do the best with what's there and what are good choices. And also really worth noting just here before we move on is that the day one deck is, 
you can play whatever you want. You have to play the same thing for your run. So if you make multiple runs and you decide to play cycling once, you don't have to play cycling next time. You could play Yurion and then you could play, you know, Team Arec or whatever your deck choices are. And then in day two, it's you only get one chance at the, the seven wins, right? Yep. But it is a best of three deck. But it has to. It doesn't have, have anything to do with the previous day. They're, they're no, not related in any way. you can choose a completely way. different deck. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So... I guess the first thing sort of delving into best of one, as as you mentioned there, Cracker, the issue that people have with best of one is that they don't have agency in their, their games. They feel like it's a coin flip where, you know, you get, if you're that slow, dirtly deck and you get paired up against mono red, it's basically just like 90% that you're going to lose. So that's the, uh, a, a problem with best of one. And the reason that happens is because in best of one, you don't have sideboards. So in, in that normal matchup where... You know, I'm playing mono red, Cracker, you're playing blue-white Dirtle. And, you know, game one, I smash you in about three minutes. Mm -hmm. We go to our sideboards. You bring all your sweet sideboard tech for against mono red. And you win game two and then you win game three because I just can't keep up with what you're doing. And my sideboard plan just just can't, can't deal with that. So... That's the ish- biggest issue that that people have with best of one as, a, as opposed to best of three. You don't have access to your sideboard. So that's a big change for regular tournament players who've been playing Magic and playing Magic tournaments for a long time. But for, like you were saying, Cracker, for people that just play a lot of best of one already, it's probably they're already used to it. So <laughs> it's not... Yeah. Not that huge of an issue. The thing to remember with this, though, is if you are playing a deck that is using a card like Fae of Wishes or Khan the Great Creator, which are both still legal in current standard, their abilities let you access your sideboard. So even though you're playing best of one, you can still have cards in your sideboard that you can access with those sorts of cards. So a deck like Teamer Adventures you do a lot of wishing in your sideboard to go and get those one-off cards that are supposed to help you win the matchup unless you're playing against Cracker in your league match and, <laughs> and then you just lose. <laughs> go, on, go and watch our stream. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, you can still get access to your sideboard if you need to with those specific cards, but generally you're not, you don't need to build, you don't need, to need cards in your sideboard. And that is something to remember when you're, figuring out what deck you're going to play when you get a, a list off of MTG Goldfish or whatever, you don't need to craft the cards in your sideboard. So you can save yourself on wild cards and things on Arena by not bothering crafting those cards in the sideboard. Absolutely. So that's, that's the first big difference in, uh, in Best of One. What else are we seeing in Best of One? Because you don't have access to the sideboard, you'll actually find that the deck composition can be a little bit different. So in, in a typical best of three scenario you would have your primary game plan set up in game one and then when you sideboard to your your postboard games you would look to you know strengthen up your deck against you know like i would bring in a bunch of sweepers in in the mono red scenario we were just talking about right a bunch of cheap interaction to you know keep shorty's annoying little creatures off the board and and try and close out the game with like a dream trawler instead of a agent of treachery you don't have that option. So it means that you might need to look at warping the deck a little bit, depending on what you're playing, to be able to account for things that you would normally account for in post-board games. So take blue-white. Please don't play blue-white, just as an aside. <laughs> but take blue-white, right? You, you could go, all right, well, my best threat is Agent of Treachery because it lets me steal my opponent's opponents, right? 
but you might have to make the choice that if you're going to play in best of one, you might, you're going to run into a lot of aggro decks, right? And we'll get into that as to why in a second. But you would look to bring in Dream Trawlers to kind of split the difference. So you might have to make some concessions that sort of weaken your deck a little bit, not too much, but a little bit to give you more game broadly against the field because you just don't have those two additional chances to win, get those wins that you need for the match win. Yeah, yeah. often you'll find that a best of one deck, you will play a few like silver bullets, like those random one-of cards in, in your main deck that you would normally play in your sideboard just in case. And I, I sort of look back on a deck like Jund Sacrifice, the, the Cat Oven deck that was playing, been, was playing for quite a while. Often you would play in that deck, you know, a couple of Casualties of Wars, you'd have a couple of um, Thrashing Brontodons to deal with artifacts, you'd have a couple of Murderous Riders, you know, a, a few of these cards that were the utility cards that kind of got you out of trouble when you needed to, whereas if you look at a current Jun Sacrifice list, it's all just four ofs, and all of those cards are in the sideboard. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when, when you go to best of one, you're kind of hedging a little bit, to try and ensure that you you don't hit those matchups where you just lose because you you don't have a, a plan against it and you you tend to play yeah a, a couple of sideboard cards in your main deck so like a card like wilt is a is a good example which is yeah, from Icoria so it's a one and a green instant destroy target artifact or enchantment sideboard card like why would you start that in the main deck but it also has cycling too so it's exactly the sort of card that you could put in your main deck because when it's good in the matchup that you get paired in, it's you're going to be really happy that you've got it there. And when you don't need it, when you're not playing against a deck that has artifacts or enchantments, you just cycle it away. So they're the sorts of considerations that you need to think about in your best of one deck as opposed to your best of three deck. The biggest problem with that is going too far. And that's why yes. we've both said a couple of times that you really want to do it where they're cards that are both situational and versatile so like wilt or a card like assassin's trophy jumps to mind for that kind of deck where it's not the sort of thing where you want to ramp your opponent necessarily but it kills planeswalkers it kills giant creatures it kills enchantments it does everything you need it to right so you're looking for small numbers of those super efficient interactive spells typically right you're not so much worried about threats because you should have all of your best threats in your main deck because if you aren't being super proactive with your game plan, you will just get run over. Yep, absolutely. Um, Yeah, we can probably touch on that a little bit more when we get into the decks, but Mm -hmm. another thing to take into consideration in best of one, and and I think uh, probably a lot of people that play Arena at the moment don't even realise that this happens, but there is a thing called a hand-smoothing algorithm that you get in best of one, which you don't get in best of three. So... When you're playing a best of three match, it's exactly the same as playing a regular paper match. You, know, you you shuffle up your deck and you draw seven cards, the, the top seven cards of your library, and then you decide if you want to do your mulligans and that sort of stuff. Best of one has this algorithm built in to... The purpose is to increase people's enjoyment of playing games and to prevent those non-games from happening where you, you just mulligan into oblivion because your, your hands are always garbage. Basically, what it does is when you draw your opening hand it actually draws two hands you only ever see one but it draws two hands and it looks at them and it automatically selects the hand that has the best ratio of lands and spells so it looks at how many lands are in your deck and how many 
spells are in your deck, and it goes, which of these two hands have the closest ratio to what your deck composition is? So what it generally means is that you will end up with a hand that has you know, two to four lands in it. So on an, on an average, you're going to have three lands in your opening hand. And if you've never noticed that before and you didn't know that this existed, you'll probably start noticing it now when you play best of one. You almost always get a hand that's got two or three lands. You know, you're, you're not mulliganing anywhere near as much in best of one as you are in uh, best of three. And, you know, you, you can spend ages playing your deck in best of one and going, oh, this deck's great, I never have mana issues. And then you go and play it in best of three and you're getting mana screwed or mana flooded all the time and you're, <laughs> you're wondering wondering what's going on. So that is something that Wizards have built into best of one, but they haven't actually released exactly how it works. So a lot of people, I was, I was looking today at people running the numbers and, and calculating and, and, you know, doing a sample of 500 opening hands and things like that to see the percentage of lands and things like that. And it is massively different between best of one and best of, best of three that you're going to have basically three lands in your opening hand. So what this can lead to is it can actually give you the ability to go a little bit lighter on lands. And, and looking at the stats I was looking at today, the difference between having 27 lands in your deck and 24 lands in your deck made almost no difference in percentage points of having three lands in your opening hand. Now, it, it's going to affect you longer in the game because you're not, your probability of drawing more lands is, is reduced by having less lands. But if you only need to hit you know, your first three land drops and then your fourth land drop at some point, you don't really care too much. So it gives you that capability to go, all right, well, this deck in best of three plays 27 lands, so it hits its land drop, land drop every turn. I'm going to drop that down to 25 and see how it goes. So something to take into account. I know when I was playing a lot of mono red in best of one, which I haven't done a great deal of lately, but a little while ago, the standard best of three decks were running 20 to 21 lands. And in best of one, you always played 18 to 19 lands and you never had mana issues because of the hand smoothing algorithm. So that's definitely something to think about. The, uh, the other thing with that is that it doesn't take into account your color requirements. So it generally works better with monocolored decks or, or two colored decks because you're not as, you don't care as much about which lands are in your opening hand, especially with a monocolored deck. You, you know, if, you, if you're playing all mountains, you don't care which mountains you have as long as you have mountains. Um, whereas if you're playing a three or a four color deck, the algorithm will just look at, okay, you've got three lands in your hand and they might be, you know, island, swamp, forest, and your hand is full of red cards. It doesn't care about that. It just looks at it and goes, yep, you've got three lands, so this is a good hand. So you do need to take that into consideration. And that's generally why like the the really mana intensive decks are still going to play a, a high ratio of, of lands, but something to think about. Yeah, and also just you can go too far. So I remember I played a lot of mono red in the Dominaria standard with Chain Whirler and all that sort of stuff. I know you did as yep. well. And yep. that was kind of when people were really starting to experiment with what could be done. And I saw lists of people running around in, in with mono red in best of one trying to play 15 lands. And I saw some lists going down to 14. And like people were just trying to see... Like, what are the limits here and what do I get? And it meant that they they did get zero land hands sometimes because the ratio of those cards is so low in terms of density in the deck that you would still 
sometimes just get dished up a, a no lander in best of one. Most of the time you'd get one or maybe two. But the problem is, as Shorty mentioned, you just don't have the density to draw those cards. You know, so like, great, I start off with a, a one lander and a one drop, and then I've got another one drop, and then it's six turns before you draw another land because you just don't have enough of them in the deck. So the cycling deck, which I play a lot of at the moment, is running between 18 and 19 lands, and it needs to hit four for Zenith Flare, but yeah. you also draw a lot of cards. That is right on the borderline. Pretty sure when I was playing Mono Red, I end up settling on about 18 yeah. And I was playing Frenzy. And, and that was like, sometimes it'd get you. And you just kind of went, well, that is the risk of being able to have an extra three spells in my deck instead. Yeah, like a, a deck like the Cycling deck. So I don't know, if for anyone who's drafted the Cycling decks, often in, like in, in, a, in a standard draft deck, you would have 40 cards and generally you're running 17 lands. People that are drafting the Cycling deck at the moment are sometimes playing 13 and 14 lands because which is nuts yeah which is nuts because you can go that low because you're finding your lands with your cycling so in best of one in standard you can still apply a similar principle i probably i don't think i would go below 17 that's super that's super low because you need to hit four mana for your zenith flare yeah but you yeah you churn through your deck so quick like if you're with 17 lands, you're going to have a really, really high percentage chance of having at least two lands in your opening hand with the, the hand smoothing algorithm. And two lands is more than enough to get you started with the cycling deck and you're going to cycle through and, and find those lands that you need. So it's not probably not a bad idea to give it a go. Uh, I wouldn't commit to it 100%. You can you know, you know know try it and see how you feel, but that's the sort of deck that can definitely do that. And, and yeah, the other one being Mono Red. I think the Mono Red deck that I'm playing at the moment is running 22 lands uh, from memory. But you're trying to get up to five mana or, 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 or six to be able to double spell. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting... Drops, right? You're happy to hit four lands and a banner to, to get your five so you can cast Obosh. Sure, yeah. So you, you're kind of the same with, um, with mm-hmm. the cycling deck, but you don't have the card draw that the cycling deck has you you know you've got light up the stage to to get you a little bit but not that mm-hmm. much yeah i'm just looking now so 22 lands in that deck so i would at least shave one mountain from that list straight up yep potentially two to, depending on how how courageous you're feeling but i think there's almost zero downside to going down one land which means you can play one extra spell which in mono red makes makes a huge difference so one thing with the hand smoothing algorithm, apparently, I looked into it today, but I couldn't find anything conclusive. Apparently, I don't know if they, if Wizards actually said it or not, but I think when you mulligan, you don't get the same smoothing algorithm applied. I think it's only your opening hand, but that wasn't confirmed. All the research I did today, they, you know, they tested it with mulligans as well, and they still didn't have an issue. So that may not actually be the case, but it's 100% it is for your first opening hand. So... Um, yeah, it's just going to lead to a um, a higher chance of having a good opening hand, and that sort of comes down to like a, a, another thing with that in with your deck decision is if you're playing a deck like the Yorion Luca deck where you're running eighty cards, you can sometimes have those hands where you draw the wrong half of your deck, and when you when that happens, you're not getting the benefit of that that hand smoothing algorithm whereas a deck like mono red where basically all of your cards are 
good threats that, that you are happy with unless your opening hand is four annexes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you can you can keep a lot more hands, so you're you're not mulliganing as much and you're you're making uh, you're getting more benefit out of that hand smoothing algorithm. Yeah, right. so uh, things like combo decks tend to be less good in in this kind of scenario because you you tend to see less cards, right? You just have fewer chances to to be able to pull your combo off. Because yeah. if you if you think about how many how many turns there are in an actual average game of Magic, it seems like a lot, but there's there's probably not in standard. It's probably six at the moment. I would guess is is where. Most okay, games have, most people concede. Yeah, but like it, <laughs> games have either because is that because you've just got like lethal on board? But like no, that's someone, that's part someone, of it, right? Someone's so, just lucid into Adrian of Treachery and then cast sure. Orion and <laughs> well, no, that's 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 turn <laughs> yeah, five, five, right? <laughs> exactly. You don't actually get that many additional draw steps, right? You you may only see eleven cards out of your deck, mm. so. Keep in mind that, you know, if your deck is is looking for that one specific thing, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and and particularly, you know, if you only get, you know, if you've only got the gold for one run at this thing, then I wouldn't be going, oh, I'm going to run the, the 15 land special here. You know, yeah. Yeah. go with something that is going to be consistent enough because it does need to be consistent. Yep. All right, so while we're talking about decks, let's mm. get into, unless you've got any other differences with best of one that you, you want to go through, let's, uh, let's no, get into the actual so. decks. So one of the things with best of one, you know, we, we've talked about all these differences, that sort of stuff, but at the end of the day, the best decks in standard that are being played in best of three, they're still the best decks. So... I put down a little list and, and, you know, my top tier decks that I would put down would be the Jeskai Yorion Luka deck, the Cycling deck, the Boros Cycling, Mono Red, Aggro, and Team of Reclamation. So there's a few other decks that you could probably lump into that top tier, but they are decks that are very heavily played and you're probably going to see a lot of them. So yes, they're really good in best of three, especially decks like the Luka deck where you know, you can sideboard to how you want. You've got that long, grindy, grindy game plan, all that sort of stuff. But they're still really good decks. So you're going to see a lot of them in this tournament. So you, you you still need to be accounting for those decks. And if, if one of those decks is your deck that you play, play that deck. Because that's what you know how to play. You've got the experience. You've got the practice. So play that deck because it's going to be good for you. You just may need to look at what we were talking about earlier about potentially bringing in a couple of those sideboard cards into the main deck just so you can account for that that lack of a sideboard. So you've got a little bit more chance in game one when you get those those matchups that you're not sure about. So are you okay with those decks, Cracker? Would you? Is there any that you don't recommend playing or, or any out of those that you think are better than others? No, I think they, they're pretty clearly the, the best decks in the format. I mean, you, you can argue the actual positioning of each of those. And, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that ebbs and flows, honestly, daily on Arena and depending on, <laughs> and depending on where you are in the ladder as well. Depending you know, on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, definitely. So those, if you're cold to like two of those four decks, don't, don't play it. I just yeah. don't know that it's, it's a good choice, right? If you just go, I can't possibly beat Cycling and Mono Red, like I'm just stone dead to aggro decks you're just going to see just bulk aggro decks right for, for multiple reasons one they're they're better in best of one than you know like blue white control 
which is basically just non-existent these days, they're cheap to build. Yeah. And so that's going to be the other the other thing here that you're going to come across is one of the reasons that people won't necessarily play best of three is they don't have all of the, the wild cards to build out the extra 15 cards that they need for the sideboard. I would expect all of those to be good. There, there are a bunch of other decks that you've kind of noted here that are, are particularly good in best of one as well. Mm. So you're starting out with, with one of your old favorites. <laughs> So Jund Cat. I think I posted. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was about yesterday. I posted. I, I, I went. I'm just going to go back to playing Jund Cat for a little while. Just give it a crack because uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, as I mentioned in the previous cast, I got beaten by that deck in the Red Bull event, and it inspired me to give it another go. And first game, I, I come up against Mono Black with main deck Ashy Ox and uh, Cry the Carnariums. And uh, safe to say, I thought that was particularly funny. Yeah, safe to say, I did did not win that match, and it was completely <laughs> one sided. So, unfortunately, that's the sort of thing that can happen in best of one. Is you get that match up, and you just go, oh, well, I literally cannot, I cannot beat this deck. Doesn't doesn't matter what I do, my deck just cannot beat that deck. Yeah, in, because you've effectively you've been hard targeted, right? Yes. Yep. So the the problem is that if your deck can be super hard targeted by another deck's just normal game plan you you only have to three of those matches to face right and you're done mm. so yeah yeah sad times uh <laughs> for, for, for exiling your creatures in your graveyard multiple yeah. times but uh, jund cat is it is definitely viable in best of one because it is the the jund colors the, the red black and green you have a lot of utility cards in those colors and you can definitely play especially in that deck with once you get a trail of crumbs online, you can start churning through your deck. So you can find the cards that you need to to get to so that you can uh, deal with the, the problems that you've come up with. And it's not a deck that loses quickly. So you can play for a long time and hold off and hold off and hold off just by sacrificing your cats and bringing them back again, find the answer that you need and then take over the game. So in one of the games I played earlier today, I was playing against... Uh, Jeskai Yorion, and he had all four agents of treachery out that had all stolen my lands, but I had gotten a couple of ovens out, I'd got a cat, and I was just holding him off, and he was drawing 13 cards a turn. <laughs> of <laughs> because, course, because they both had all trigger, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, he managed to beat me, but he had three cards left in his library. So yeah, I was okay. I was just playing for the, the mill win, and yeah, uh, yeah he, he just managed to get there, so... Good, good on him, but uh, yeah, it's it's the sort of deck that you're you you're never out of the matchup unless you get that one hundred percent hard targeted targeted matchup. So, Mayhem a, Devil is a, a hell of a option. card, man. That that yeah. does a lot of work. If you can, the it, it's yeah, super resilient, still proactive, and and that's one of the things that you'll we'll, yeah. we'll talk on a lot here. It's the sort of deck where you can you can almost be like a combo where you get that you know you get the cat the oven and a mayhem devil early and it's just game over like you're just dealing so much damage every turn but then it also grinds for ages and ages and and one thing I didn't mention in with best of one as opposed to the best of three matches is there's no time limit on your best of one match you you still have your timeouts and the rope uh, so you can't you can't take forever you you will still time out from that but there's no match timer so. I've definitely seen 
people playing best of one matches that have gone for hours <laughs> somehow. Uh, the, the, the Nexus days, right? That yeah, was yeah. Everyone one of the things Nexus. that happened. Yeah. There was a dude on <laughs> who tweeted out he'd been going for like an hour already on Twitch. Mm. And that was actually one of the things that catalyzed Wizards to ban <laughs> that in best of one. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, John, John Cat's not a not a bad option, and if you have, it's it's not the sort of deck I would pick up blind, but if you have the reps with it, it's not a bad option, and it's definitely towards the top of my list for something that I'll be trying on on the weekend. So, uh, next deck on the list, the Winota deck. I know you've, I don't know if you've played it yourself, but you've definitely seen this deck around, Cracker. My, my experience is that they have turn four Winota every time. <laughs> that is just. Just what happens. So, have you have you seen the newer builds that's running the Neo form? I have seen the lists. I haven't come across it in the wild yet. Yeah, okay. I've, I've played against it a couple of times, and okay, it definitely adds it adds to its consistency because it it gives you more ways to find your Winota, and that's that's something you were mentioning before, Cracker, with this best of combo one. decks. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're playing a combo deck and you're just relying on just drawing your combo and you only have you know you've got no ways to search it up or anything like that then it, you're probably not going to do too well in this structure and this this format um but the winota deck's actually not it's not too bad and it's pretty consistent and once they hit winota and get to attack with one or two dudes like it's you, you're dead really quick like they just oh, yeah, they absolutely. just take over the game <laughs> so. well they're playing such you know, the the threats have been condensed as well. So they're not usually playing like Charming Princes and things anymore. So there's not those just whiff hits from them. They're playing yeah. like Agent of Treachery to steal your thing or they're playing, what is he, Hactos, the yeah, 6-1 yeah. dude that gets protection from everything but one CMC. So they're, they're haymakers these days. Um, tends to be a, a Naya build from what I've seen. Yep. Yeah, so what, with the Neo form, are they just looking to go... Legion War Boss, and then sack that to go get. Yeah, so they're playing Winota. Illyrios, which is the, the three drop oh, guy yeah, that brings course, in uh, brings he in another illusion. illusion. Yep. yep, and then you've got Hanged Executioner that uh, that's another three drop that went into the okay. battlefield to create a one one spirit. Yep, and then yeah, you got Legion War Boss. So you've got a few threes that create. They're either non humans themselves or they create a non human. Yep. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and and you're you know you're playing four Ar- arboreal grazers, which helps you ramp to three um and then and gilded goose which again helps you ramp to three and both of them are not humans so that and they can also attack neither of them have defender so yeah just everything can attack and uh yeah well, neoform sort of helps you get your you know turn a hanged executioner into a into a winota and um yeah just swing in with your, your goose and your grazer and get some triggers and Pull everyone's favourite card out of your deck, Agent of Treachery, and steal all your lands make or your permanents. It, and, and then make it indestructible for some reason yeah, as well. Yeah, just <laughs> for- yeah. Attack, attacking an indestructible. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Just needed that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we're, we're not here to discuss the uh, design philosophy behind a card like Winota. <laughs> not sure there was one. So, let's move on to <laughs> some of the other decks we've got here. Yeah. So, Red Black Sack, you've got. Uh, yep. I'm assuming that's uh, the Obosh version? Yeah. Yep. Or the, the Lurus version. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Either all. Yeah, there's a, there's yep. a couple of different versions of that floating around, but that, that deck's been around for quite a while. I don't know if it is in the top tier at the moment. Uh, I, don't, I, don't think I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah, I haven't seen that much of it. Again, not a bad option. You do have, you know, you've got a little bit of removal, you've got a bit of disruption, um, you know, with Croxer or that sort of thing. You've You've got that ability to grind. You're playing... 
the priest so you can sort of deal with your opponents uh, that have only got small boards and things like that. Yeah, grind, grindy mid-range, probably not where I would want to be for for this best-of-one format, personally. No. So we've got a couple of others here. The one of the decks that you have been playing and <laughs> mentioned before, Teamer Adventures. So mm. how is this in a best-of-one scenario? Does the fact that you have access to the sideboard actually make it better, or is it the fact that it costs four mana to go fetch whatever you want? Is it just too slow? Yeah, so that was my thoughts earlier on in this week, um, leading into the the match that you and I played for our league, Cracker. Yep. Uh, and I played I played Teamer Adventures, which I hadn't played for about four months, and then Chewie decided to make a video picking all my faults in my game and uh, put that up on YouTube to go and find that. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good good video, good educational video. So it was how to, how to not be a bean. Yeah, my thought was okay. If we're going to play best of one. I want access to my sideboard. I want to have access to 75 cards so that I have an advantage over my opponents and I can get what I need out of my sideboard. And Teamer Adventures does a really good job of that. And you were playing Cycling. I was. And it just didn't work. It was just that little bit too slow. It was, yes, it can be a powerful deck. And yes, you have that option to get what you need out of the sideboard. But often what I needed from my sideboard was a sweeper, like a Storm's Wrath or something like that, just to clear up the board that you'd managed to gum up. And if I'm casting, you know, four mana for my Granted from the, the Fae of Wishes, and then I need another four mana to Storm's Wrath, it just didn't work. And and you had that reach over the top with Zenith Flare, and it was kind of like, okay, I, I, need, I need a Clover on the board so that I can wish for multiple targets so that I can get my Storm's Wrath to wipe the board, but also have a Negate as a backup, and yeah, it, it just didn't work. It didn't work for me. But like I said, I, I hadn't played the deck for, for months. Um, and I, when I originally played the deck, I probably wasn't very good at it anyway. So definitely not an expert. I think it's one of those decks that always rewards people for knowing how to play it really well. And if you are one of those people in that category, you're probably just going to play that deck anyway. It can be good and it is definitely a powerful deck, but it's not something that I would be putting out there for people to give it give a go for for this event one of the challenges i think with that deck specifically is that you have so many options right those colors give you such a range of different choices and there are a lot of really powerful ones and it will reward the people who build their deck really well and knowing the balance between what they need in the main and what they need in the side Mm. and if you if you don't have that experience and that confidence then it will just punish you right like you just you make one wrong choice and, and that's it. You, you wish for the wrong thing. And if it doesn't matter, then you're just dead. Because in, in the cycling deck, let's talk about that for a second, just in terms of a couple of the sideboard choices that I would look to bring in. So there's Fighters 1, which gives my creatures plus one, plus one and indestructible. So I can usually cast that on like my Fox and my Rescuer, which are the two best creatures. And if you tap out on turn five to Wrath my board and I save my 5-5 five, five Fox and my 3-1, then you're just dead. Yeah. I'll untap and just attack for eight and you've probably already taken like 10 damage by that point anyway so it's you can do it and the deck has the tools but if you get it wrong then it's just it's lights out so yeah i don't know that i could recommend that one either unless like you said you're an expert at it yep yeah probably the similar sort of thing on the next deck mono mono white aggro so the 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 next few decks we've got here so we've got mono white aggro jesco jeskai heroic mardu knights all three of those decks have seen a little bit of play but not much. They they do see a bit more play in best of one. Yeah, I do come across yeah, those m- more frequently. And the reason you'll find those in best of one 
and less than best of three is that their sideboards suffer. Yep. So particularly when you're looking at a deck like Mono White Aggro, right? They're trying to play Healer's Hawks and Ajani's Pride Mates. I think some of them are still playing like Loxodons and things like that to grow their team. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of different versions. I've seen that that version where it's sort of creature focused and I've also seen a lot of the enchantment like Boggle style mono sure. white decks where you're, you're suiting up your dudes with um, all the glitters and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is that in best of three, you just, you've got one color's worth of choices for your yep. sideboard, which is really restrictive. And white tends to have a couple of really good choices for sideboard cards, usually some good graveyard hate or, you know, there's like glass casket and those kinds of things, but you tend to miss out. So you'll, that tend, that will have a better chance in a best of one scenario. And same with a deck like Mardu Knights which is very linear. You know, they're just looking to get out a bunch of knights and get you dead. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're all, all three of those decks, they fit into that same category as mono red uh, and, and cycling to some extent where they're, they've got their game plan and they're really good at executing it in game one, but they struggle in games two and three. So they are good options for a best of one format. I don't know how good they will sit against the other decks because I, I haven't seen them enough to know how well they're performing but they are good aggro linear options that that uh, if you've got the cards for and, and most of them are pretty cheap to build um, especially the mono white aggro then uh, yeah they might be something for you to look at the only thing i think about all those decks is they lack reach yeah so if yep. if you if your board gets controlled with mono red you can spew off a few burn spells and kind of steal those last few points obviously with cycling your zenith flares are like a major part of your win condition so yep. those decks tend to have like the ability to play look top deck wars for a while and still drag out a victory whereas if you just play two one night on turn seven and that's all you've got then you're probably done yeah yeah casting a healer's hawk on turn seven is not very good <laughs> <laughs> it's not well, have, it's having not. a hand handful of enchantments and no creatures is also not very good so yeah, that's, that's why those decks are that sort of tier down. Um, another deck that is, I guess, probably a tier down now would be the Bant Yorion Luca. Not you, Bant Yorion decks. <laughs> not, not Luca. Just throw, throw <laughs> words in there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so the, you know, sort of Bant Ramp. I don't know if they're still playing Nissa. Um, they're, they're obviously playing Agent of Treachery because everyone's playing Agent of Treachery now. I just don't think that, that it's as good of a version as the Jeskai version, and I don't see it being any better in best of one than it is in best of three. So probably yeah. not not really a good option. Absolutely. The, the fact that you miss that huge turn five potential that the Jeskai deck gives you by having um, you know your Fires of Invention in play on turn four and then on turn five being able to cast your Yorion for free, exiling your fires, playing, you know, five manners worth of extra spells, triggering a bunch of ETBs as they come back in. You know, you steal two things with the agent. Yeah, that you just don't get that insane turn that is what has put the Jeskai Yorion deck with Luca at the top. Is, is probably the best deck in the format at the moment. Yep. Uh, and the last one we wanted to mention, and on, well, the last one on my list, unless you've got something you want to mention, Cracker, is uh, a favourite of J-Mud from our Discords, the, the Teamer Elementals deck. So this is probably fits a bit into that linear category as well. It, it does its thing and it can be super explosive and get out of hand uh, very quickly. As uh, I think we had that one on stream as well that I we was did, playing. Yeah. <laughs> his, his board was just it was enormous. It uh, was fantastic. Yeah. It, it, you make for some good coverage, mate. Let's just put it yeah. that way. <laughs> I'm very good at losing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, it's 
again, it's it's probably not a deck I would recommend unless you've been playing it and you know how to how to play it. Um, I I will not be picking this deck up. I've played a little bit of deck similar to it, but I wouldn't would not be picking this deck up to play this weekend. But it does have that linear explosive element where it does its game plan. And if you don't stop its game plan, it's going to beat you because it's just going to get out of control pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So the only other one that I, I can think of is uh, some of the Mutate decks have been getting a bit of steam recently. Okay. Actually, I played, played a little bit of that today. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some of that running around. They, they, you know, they can have some pretty explosive turns and pretty powerful starts. They do have the tendency to suffer a little bit against Agent of Treachery, like a lot of the format. Yes. But instead of getting one permanent stolen, you've actually got like five. <laughs> if you've mutated a bunch of times yep. onto your a Lunar or whatever it is that you've got going there, I, I think that'd be a pretty feels bad moment there. So if you're going to play a, a mutate deck, make sure you've got a way to protect your thing. Maybe pack some dive downs or something. I don't know. If, it, if only we had a card called Veil of Summer back in the format. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who would have been asking for that to be unbanned? And maybe that's what we'll get on Monday. Who knows? Oh, man, that that, <laughs> that would be a polarizing move for yes, sure. Yes. But yeah, anyway, we, we, we don't, won't talk about that. We'll get, get nope. way too sidetracked. All right. So, no, I mean, we, Chewie's not here, so we've got to throw another segue. Yeah, it's fine. yeah. All right. So, what's your strategy going into this event? Cracker, what like, you know, if if I'd say to you, all right, lock in now the the, the deck that you're going to play. You know, you've got one chance at this. Yep. What's your thought process of figuring out what you're going to play for this event? So I guess there's a few things. Personally, I, I would be on cycling because that's the deck I've got the most experience with at the moment, and I think it has a really. I'm not going to say it's like super advantaged against everything, but it has a very good chance against the field. It's probably. You know, a minimum of a 50-50 deck against everything, and in some cases it's a little better, particularly against the other top things. So if you feel like you can navigate the mirror well, I think that would be an important thing to consider here. That would be my choice. But the main reason for that is is the things we've been talking about the whole time, right? It's it's proactive. It has some level of interaction that you can bring in without kind of diminishing your primary game plan too much. You really only need a couple of pieces of interaction because the deck is so focused it can kill on turn four you know like it's it has that potential so i don't need to worry about dragging the you know into turn 12 and, and things like that if you're in that position you've probably lost but you know that's just one of those things and it it is very consistent you're, you're looking for creatures that have for the most part you know similar effects you're looking to create a board presence but if they die, you don't care because it find, it fuels a zenith flares. So then you just need to typically find one of those. If you get two, then you're, you're off to the races. So that would be where I would be at personally. Yeah. So I guess the the thought process behind that is, or like in particular for picking that deck, it's currently mm. a top tier deck in best th- best of three. So we already know it's proven to be a very good deck. We, yes. know it, we know it can win, and we also know through experience and from what we've seen that it is very good at winning game one. Uh, it's it, an it excellent has its game one deck. proactive plan, and it executes it very well, and it's not that easy to interact with what it's trying to do for its its main game plan. Correct. Because it can come from two different angles. Yeah. You, you know, you, you've either got to have the ability to keep the board under control and exert your own pressure... Uh, and be able to sort of put the life total under threat that way or you've got to be able to have 
negates or you know counter spells and things like that to be able to interact against the zenith flares and so mm. when someone you know slams a a fires of invention i kind of breathe a sigh of relief yeah <laughs> a bunch of the time because i go i know that okay like you might have teferi in play but i don't care because yeah. i know that you can't counter me anyway so yeah. it, it kind of opens up that window yeah so yeah cycling so it's a it's very aggressive it has that ability to come out of the gates really quickly put on a lot of pressure but then it also has that what we talk about with reach that has that ability to go oh okay i've run out of cards you've uh, cleaned up my board i'm now top decking you top deck a zenith flare and you just win so it it Mm -hmm. has that ability to still finish off the game and yeah it's it's doing its game plan it's linear it has a good game one matchup fits all of those criteria for things that we've been talking about of things that we would choose or that, that we are looking to consider for a deck to play this weekend so what about yourself We've, we've talked about a few different things that you've played out of this list. Some of them are, you know, like Mono Red has been the one you've been on the most recently, but there's also, you know, John Cat and a couple of other things. Yeah. What, what's kind of driving your choice at the moment? I, th- I think for me, I, I do the same sort of thing. I'm, I'm looking for this, like those, effectively those three criteria. I want, a, I want a deck that's already been proven to be good in, be- in best of three. So I know it's a solid deck. I want something that's going to be aggressive, but still has that reach by being aggressive i don't know if we sort of mentioned it before but by having that aggressive game plan when you go come up against somebody that stumbles even the smallest amount you can just win the game so the cycling deck the best the mono red decks are very good at punishing people who stumble a little bit it's linear or a deck that is linear that has its game plan that has a pretty good game one uh, win percentage so for me the the two clear decks for that are cycling and mono red they're, they both fit all of those criteria, and they're the two decks that I will likely be firing up as my first two decks because I'm definitely not winning through in my first, <laughs> my first <laughs> event. <laughs> so that, they would be the, the the two that I would be playing of the you know of the decks that we listed. The you know the to- the top decks being Jeskai Yorion, Cycling, Mono Red, and Team Wreck. Yes, Team Wreck is the is another one that if I knew how to play, I think has a very good game one win percentage um you, you know you, you can kind of ignore what your opponent is doing and just go bigger than them pretty quickly but you can also you do see a lot of cards in that deck so you can tailor it a little bit to best of one to have a few silver bullets in in your main deck so that you've got access to them in best of one so that's definitely another deck that if I knew how to play, <laughs> I, I haven't played that deck for like a year, so I, uh, there's no way I'm sleeving that one up, but that's definitely a good option. The Jeskai Yori and Luka deck, it's a hard one. It's it, it it's the best deck in standard. I think we can pretty safely say that currently mm-hmm. uh, until we get to Monday and we hopefully get something changed. <laughs> I, I think d- you can tailor it. I, I think yeah. you, can, you, you can look at it oh, and go, can- okay, so I'm going to bring in three four deafening clarions right i'm gonna have three shadow the skies i'm gonna have you know just maximum of you know the heliot of the sun and these these early interactive spells so i think that you can knowing that you're going to be facing like a lot of mono red and a lot of cycling right and that you you don't have game one to give them that you would build the deck leaning lower knowing that your your nut draws your turn five lucas into agent and then, you know, Yuri on the next turn to bounce your agent will beat everything, right? Yep. If they don't have you dead, then your your late game is the best. And I think that you can 
you know, build the deck to beat the early game. And that's that's a scenario where like a best of three deck is not going to be the list you want to look at. It really needs to be like if you're going looking to net deck and do, you know, like you might, you might as well. We have resources. We've talked about this yeah. before. <laughs> as smart as you are, there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of magic players on arena every day. So the hive mind will win. Yes, it is. The <laughs> so, hive mind is a real thing. <laughs> it is a real thing. And so use it like, yeah. Ignore the negative connotations of, oh, he's a dirty net decker, whatever. You want to win, that's the best chance you've got. I'm pretty sure people don't say that anymore. (laughs) Uh, I've seen it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're right with the Yorion deck. It's also being 80 cards, you've got a lot of room to play with. So I think that that deck is the most easily customizable for best of one because you you see see a lot of your deck. You've got a lot of extra room in your deck to fit stuff. So I think you can definitely tailor it to play best of one. And yeah, like I I would probably start with a standard best of three deck and then look at your sideboard and go, okay, how do I fit some of these cards that are in my sideboard into my main deck? Because obviously the cards that are in the sideboard in best of three, they're the cards that are going to be good in your, your matches. So look at that, figure out, okay, yep, I do want, you know, I'm playing, normally I'm playing two Deafening Clarions in the main and two in the sideboard, or maybe I want three in the main or four if I could fit them. So what do I take out for that? And take out one or two of this card, one or two of that card, and and try and customise your deck that way, and you're probably going to do pretty good. I would not be playing Jeskai Yorin just because it does not suit me for the day that I'm going to have, and I don't want the time of... Yeah, the the hour-long matches and that sort of thing. But if you're that type of player uh, and you've got some experience with it, then, yeah, it's probably probably a good deck to play. I, I honestly think that the, the la- one of the last points we should make here is that despite the fact that we've kind of given our own power rankings, if there is a deck that you're comfortable with that is a homebrew and you have played a bunch of best of one and you have a good game plan and understanding about how they play up in the matchups, then play that. Yeah, Absolutely confidence in your deck and knowing how they work is the most important thing if if someone gave me if wizard said here joel you've got a stocked account and unlimited entries and i went oh sweet i'll just play jeskai yorion my win percentage would be just still terrible even though someone's (laughs) handed me the most powerful deck because i just you don't have the reps and that's that's a really important thing so like Take what we're saying here and, and maybe not necessarily use it as a guide to what you should play, but it, what you should be expecting to play against as yeah. well, more than so anything. Tailor your deck a little bit to suit the decks that we've just sort of gone through. But yeah, you, you also get with that the surprise factor, like being yeah. best of one where you, like I had today playing, or whenever it was, playing Jund Cat and I come up against that mono black deck, I, I literally cannot do anything about that. And I only have my one game to try and win so i just lose so when you when you're playing that random deck that no one's accounted for that you've been playing for the last month and you know how to play you know how to play all the matchups you're probably going to do pretty well so yeah if you do have that deck stick with it like there's there's, there's no real downside to at least giving it one run through through the system I if, mean, if it doesn't there's, work there's 20,000 gold downside yeah but gold gold's not really worth anything so that's fine <laughs> that's a that's a free currency you get free free currency <laughs> <laughs> but yeah of, of the the other decks that we listed so not not the top decks i probably wouldn't play any of them unless you're in that situation where you've been playing it and you know how to play it uh, 
a lot of those decks, like, you know, the Winota decks. Flash and springs to mind as yeah, one of those yep. type of decks, which we haven't mentioned. There's yep. both, you know, Simic and Blue Black, which, you know, if you've built that right, then that'll steal games. Yeah. And you only need to steal games, right? We're not talking about stealing matches. Yeah. You, your opponents don't get the chance to go, well, I've got all these sweet hate cards for you. If they don't have them, then you got them. Yep. And all you got to do is get that seven times and... Uh and you've done pretty well. So, and then you got to figure out what to play in best of three. And yeah, <laughs> we'll leave that one for now. <laughs> we're not we're not covering that next week. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, well, next week it'll be a whole new format. It, it, it will be also too late. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we might wrap that up there. Unless you've got any last thoughts that you want to give out, Cracker. Nope. I think that's pretty All good. good cool so hopefully you got a little bit out of that we are releasing this episode a little bit early just for you so you can have a listen and get a little bit of prep in for this event uh we hope that you all do well out there and if you do come and let us know and uh to do that you can come and join our discord so we mention it every week on the cast we have a discord that's open to anybody come and join us in there you'll find the link for that in our show notes we've got a really good community in there some really great people and there's always a lot of chats going on a lot of people helping each other out with deck lists and things like that so Come and join us in there, and that also will give you access into our free leagues that we run with prizes uh, roughly on a monthly basis. Currently, we're running our May League, and I'm sitting on the bottom of the ladder, which is uh, a bit different to last month where I was on top of the ladder. So how times have changed. I'm, I'm near the top. I'm yeah, sitting on two and one yeah, at the moment. I think you're second on the ladder, so you're doing pretty well. Time, time to brick a few so I can commentate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't actually want to win. <laughs> I'll take your pack, Shorty. It's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, oh, they're chew- oh, they're, they're Chewy's packs. Yeah, actually, maybe oh, I should start it. trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, yeah, come and join us in there. Uh, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun, and we'd love to have a chat with you in there. Uh, if you are looking to buy some paper cards, you can head over to mtgcardsales.com.au and use the code BEANS15 to get a 15% discount. So, uh, yeah, probably a good time to be picking up some stuff now because I think things are a little bit cheaper. So head over there. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. All of them, just search for Magic Beans Cast. You'll find us all uh, on there under that name for all of those things. If you want to find me for any reason, I am at Peace Inc. on Twitter. And Cracker, you are? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So, yeah, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we will be back with our regular, normal podcast with hopefully a few other guys and not too many tangents. And then uh, yeah, we'll, we'll fill you in on all the details from this BNR announcement. So take care of yourself and we'll see you next time. Good luck. <laughs>